Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. I'm here. Hi, beauty. Hey, how are you, Swing? (laughs) See, I sang that out. Hi, beauty. (laughs) Hello, good evening. I am your girl, your diva, Pasha, coming to you live for another episode of Night Talk with Pasha. So, we're starting a little later tonight. I was cold. Oh. <laughs> um, we had to work on some stuff, so but we are here, and that is the main part. So tonight's yep. show is going to be a um a open discussion, a group discussion. And we're going to talk about depression, anxiety, and in the midst of having that conversation, we're also going to talk about how to advocate for yourself, Um, self-advocation, how to advocate for yourself, Um, where should you advocate for yourself, and especially in the medical field. Um, and we're also going to talk about advocating for yourself as a black woman and as a plus size woman in the world. Again, that is 515-605-9707. And let's talk. Like, give us your input, your views. And 
have us on glitches. Coming in and out. Uh-huh. Can y'all hear me? Sometimes we can hear yeah. you and other times okay. we can't. Um, I just got a message um, that we couldn't be, that they heard heard movement, but no, I'm hoping that um, (laughs) that that rectifies itself. I hope that we can, you know, be heard. The nation's talk is again, nobody hearing it. So, give me a few seconds. Talk amongst yourselves. It's kind of choppy, I was told. Okay. The marvelous to the world of sexuality. It's going uh, very slow. Now you're talking slow-mo. Yeah, I can hear you slow-mo, no problem. Can you hear me? Hold on. Uh-huh. I can hear you very well, Mary. I'll do that. Okay. I'll do that. Okay. Everybody here? here. Yep, we're both here, and we can actually hear each other okay. Uh-huh. Y'all there? Yep. Yeah, we can hear we can hear each other, but we can't really. You're the one with the um, issues, I think. Oh, now she can't hear, hear us. Yeah, we can we can hear yeah. you a little bit, but you can't hear us. Can you not hear me, Judy? Yes, I can hear you. Text her. Yeah, I'm gonna text her also. Just for the people who are listening, we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty right now. Um, Sasha is having a hard time hearing us, and she's also um, going in. Are you there? I am here. Um, And I don't think that right now she can hear us. Okay. So please be patient with us, because hopefully she'll be back soon. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. I don't think you can hear us. Hello? Yeah, she can't hear us. Um, I'll text her now. Okay, great. Well, in the meantime, Miss Swing and I are here. I think that's her still talking. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, basically, um, I think the way we decided this was going to go tonight is that Miss Swing... Can you hear me on the air? Yes, we can. This is very strange. Never had this happen it's before. Very strange. Um, but as I was saying, you were going to um, talk about anxiety tonight. I was going to talk about depression. And Miss Sasha was going to talk about advocating for yourself. So in the meantime, do you feel like talking about anxiety, Sasha? And then I'll... Uh, yeah, I can start. Um, I found this article. Um, 
it's called it's, it's actually for for children, but it can also go for us. Health and coping strategies strategies for kids and teens. Coping isn't something we're born knowing how to do. It's something we learn how to do with practice. It's never too early or too late to start developing healthy coping skills with kids and teens. And teaching them healthy coping strategies will help them become more resilient, better able to handle life's ups and downs. I know this from me being a child. I mean, back in the day, it was taboo for children to have anxiety, for children to have depression or schizophrenia. And that was proven wrong. And it was proven wrong by me because I was a very anxious and depressed child. And I remember just most of my childhood, you know, all I remember is being afraid around other children, being nervous, being sad, and just being confused because I had no idea why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And, you know, as an adult, I met another child who was suffering from depression. And her mother really didn't think she was. The doctor said it was impossible for her to be doing it. But, you know, I'm an empath as well. And she used to cry a lot. And one day she was crying, and her mother just didn't know what to do. She just, like, threw her hands up. I don't know why she, you know, she's always crying. And she just asked. So I just went over, and I, I, you know, sat down with her, and I asked her, do you know why you're sad? And she was like, I don't know. You know, I just gave her a hug, and I told her it's going to be okay. You know, I know how you feel. I feel sad sometimes, you know, when I, mm-hmm. I don't know why. So I think it's best that we, we talk to our children. And, you know, that way, you know, you'll they'll be able to trust telling you that they feel a certain way, and they don't know why. And it starts from childhood, and that's how you, you learn how to advocate for yourself by learning how to speak up for yourself because we don't know how to speak up for ourselves. Because of, you know, the taboo of, especially with black families and with men and women, you know, we're taught to suck it up. And you can't suck up depression. You can't. It's it's unhealthy. And we're teaching ourselves Mm -hmm. unhealthy coping skills with depression as adults. Now, do do you have any suggestions on where people can start? Is that something that you think, like, what worked for you? Was it talking to an adult first, or was it talking to a doctor or maybe the nurse at school? Do you remember? For me, it was therapy. It was therapy. For me, it was therapy. Mm-hmm. It was no, was that older? I, um, I didn't start out, well, I had a depression for years, and I had, like, when I, since I was 13 years old, since then I had, like, nine suicide attempts because I didn't know what was going on with me. But one year, I ended up going to the hospital for my first time. It was like, it was around Christmas time. It was my best Christmas that I ever had. I still say this was my best Christmas because I was actually diagnosed. Because I I always suspected that I had depression, but I just never wanted to really go to the hospital for it. Because I'm like, people are thinking I'm crazy. Because all we have here that I knew about back then was the West Central Georgia Regional Hospital, where they sent the crazy people. And so I never thought I was going to be one of the crazy people. I said, no, I'm not telling anybody this, or I'll just figure it out myself, or I'll just keep running. I just kept moving from situation to situation, saying that if I move over here, I'll feel better. If I get a new environment, I'll be better. If I'll get this, but I was just dragging my depression right along with me. So this one time I had put myself in a very bad situation, and I took a bottle of pills. My aspirins were my go-to, because I thought that aspirins would kill you for all these years. 
so I just took that, that bottle of pills, and I felt so much better because I hadn't been sleeping. I didn't know I had had a breakdown. I was only sleeping like a couple of minutes a day, you know, just cat napping. And I just wow. really wanted to die. So I took that bottle of pills, and then I, I left the house where I was staying, and I felt free because I knew in a few minutes I was going to die. I'm like, I just knew this. Like, like this time I took another going to work. So I walked to the store, and I had – um. I got a text on my pager, and I had never really talked to these people for a while. I had talked to them in months, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, they wanted to call and see how I was doing, and I was, like, very dismissive on the phone, and I was, like, I had tried doing the Nation of Islam, which was nothing I did to help my depression go from religion to religion, and still didn't find my answers, and she was, like, you know, one of the sisters was, like, well, but some of you guys want to call you because I feel like maybe you were doing something stupid. I don't know why. And I was like, how the hell did you know? I said, you know, I was standing outside. Uh, I took a bottle of pills and I just went to die. I don't know why I told them that. And I don't know why I, th- I told them where I was. And they got there with them, like, lickety slick. Because they were, like, riding around for some reason, like, looking for me, trying to find out where I was. Because they had spoken to my mother and my mother told her what area she thought I was in. But I'm like, all this meant that I know now all this meant that I was not supposed to die. Yet again. So they took me to the hospital. I ended up going to West Central Georgia Regional Hospital. I really didn't care at that point because I had just been to the hospital, and they were not very nice back then, like in the 90s or whatever. They were not very nice when you come in suicidal. That's another thing, another mm-hmm. reason why mm-hmm. People don't want to go get help because of the way they were treated back then. That's another thing that we had to struggle through. As people would absolutely, they were like, "We're gonna pump your stuff, okay. or you're gonna do this, you're gonna do can that." Can y'all hear me? We yes. hear you. We can hear you. You can hear me now. Yeah, yeah we can hear you. Can you hear us? Is it still choppy? Is it or does it no, sound okay? No, it's coming okay? through very, very well now. It's coming through you very don't. well now. Okay. Um, it looks like we lost Beauty. Sorry. Beauty, you hear that? Oh, no. Um, I hope she can get back in. Um, so the system has the the system has changed the way that it they call the way that they call you call in. And um, they they <laughs> they should all tell she us do these is things. Google Voice. Yeah, all she gotta do is download yeah. Google Voice because that's how I'm going to call in. Google Voice will let you call. Yeah, thanks because you gotta call. It's the way that they they're doing it now. They're making it very complicated. It doesn't um, make any sense. No, and they should have given us like a, a email. I, I check my email every day. They, did it they should have given us they an email to let us know that something had changed so that we would know how and you know um, to work it instead of it just being boom, you get on air, exchange, and now. You can't get people in. 
So I'm thinking that beauty is going to have, may have a hard time getting back in. Um, like I said, she does, uh, she has Google Voice. Google Voice was the only way I was able to get in. That's what I told her. She might have to get in. I, that's what I had to do. I went ahead and when I said never mind, I went to my Google Voice account and I called in and I got right through. Yeah, because it did it tell you that's something crazy. like, did it tell you something on your phone? Your call plan. Yeah, your phone calling plan thing. And I'm like, at first I was getting ready to call yeah. that show. But I'm like, wait a minute. Let me try Google Voice. So I tried Google Voice and I got right. It's weird. I don't understand this. Because it's been doing it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Give me a minute. Let me see if she gets. Can you hear me? Beauty, that's you. We hear you now. You got in. Yep, I'm in. Okay. Something is the. Yeah, there is something different with the call in the way that you call in now. Um. Yeah. (laughs) I was saying that I, I wish that they had given a heads up um, about it. I did not see anything in my email from them. I wish that they had said that so that I would have time to practice it, look at it, you know, before getting on air. And um, now I'm going to have to go back and make sure that I read it it's going to be a little bit more difficult when you have people calling in because with your phone, like with my phone, it was telling me um, I couldn't make the call. And I'm like, with the, because I was like, okay, it hung up. And I thought, well, I'll just call the host call-in number but now I can't even because of my service on my phone, I can't use the host call-in number. Um, so I have to do direct connect. It's crazy. I, I, I anyway. All right, let's start over. I know that y'all were having a really good conversation when I came in, and I'm I'm sorry to have interrupted that conversation. Um, I hope that we can get back on on track and get back on task. What were y'all talking mm-hmm. about? Uh, we'll start talking about, you know, anxiety and depression. And my first okay. trip to the hospital. Right. So it was okay. my first diagnosis. And uh, when I got well, in there, I was, like I said, they're very mean at the hospital. They were very, very mean when you come in there with a suicide attempt. They were not, you know, they weren't scared to still shove a, a stomach pump you and all that other stuff to get the pills out, or you got to drink some chalky stuff. I mean, they were just not nice people. I mean, it was that's why a lot of people don't want to tell what's going on with them mentally. And that gives you more anxiety because you know once you go in there, somebody's going to tell you you're being selfish or, you know, when I first got in the hospital, they were like, oh, you're so pretty. We should smile more and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's not the kind of things that you tell a depressed person. 
I mean, it's like certain things so, you just don't. So when you got there, you let me let me try to catch up. So you went to the hospital mm-hmm. from a suicide attempt, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And while you were there, the I'm assuming the nurses and whatnot were saying to you, no "You're so pretty. You should smile more." No, that's when I got to the hospital. The nurses were saying, "Ask you like, did you do this for attention? Why are you doing this? If you you you, uh, you, you should want to live. What God gave you, your life. We're just telling, uh, just going through the whole. And if you don't even take these, drink this chalky stuff, and have you induced vomiting, or we pump your stomach, and we're gonna strap you down. We gotta pump your stomach. And I was like, that was even more terrifying than whatever. I was feeling that piece a few minutes ago, but now, you know." I'm through this. And then, you know, they transfer you to the hospital, which is a place I did not want to go. And when I got there, you know, that's where they were telling you should really smile more. They won't let you sleep. And they want to talk to you about stuff and keep you awake and tell you why you should live. And then you're there with people with worse problems than what you have because they put everybody in together. But I was very happy when I got the chance to talk to the psychiatrist. And he diagnosed me. The first thing he was like, you know, I'll just tell you one thing, Ms. Robinson, you're not crazy. And I was like, I'm not? And he was like, no, you're just depressed. You know, your depression is you have major depression. And we're going to give you some pills and you're going to get some therapy. And this is going to help you out a lot. And I, that's the first time I, like, really cried because I thought I was going crazy. I thought, you know, because I couldn't sleep, I was having these thoughts, I couldn't think I couldn't do anything. From that point on, I was okay. And I wasn't ashamed, as as ashamed as I thought I was going to be from being able to talk about my feelings. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then I went, my one of my other attempts after that, you know, was when I was married. I didn't think that I couldn't handle stress, and I, I just, I could not handle it. Because I thought I could heal myself. I didn't think I needed pills anymore. I didn't think I needed therapy anymore. And I went right back to my other habits because listening to what other people tell you. You don't need to go to a therapist. You need to do this. You need to do that. People trying to they try to tell you how to handle things so that you can seem as normal as them. That's not self-help. I mean, you have to oh, I, I, really get a chance to know yourself. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, um, it's Especially in the black community, when you say that you are seeking help, when you're seeking therapy, there is a there's a lot of taboo associated with that, um, and and it has a lot to do with uh, our upbringing. Uh, you know, we have talked amongst ourselves, and we, the three of us, have all come to the same conclusion that we were told. You keep it in the house. Um, yeah. Or religion will. I have religion will not fix the confused mind. Yeah. I mean, it, pray it, about it. It won't solve. Yeah, that yeah. that doesn't help yeah. you because you don't know how to pray because you have so much going on inside of your head, and you have so much shame. And religion is a lot of shame. It, it gave me so much more anxiety being a Christian. Because you're not supposed to have this. You're not supposed to have that. You can't do this to be happy. You can't do that to be happy. I mean, I was just, I was more confused. 
Islam, it confused me. All the religions I went through before confused me because it was all the devil. Why is the devil always messing with me? Why is this happening? What what am I doing wrong? How how, how am I handling this? And, and what's going, what's happening? I can't go to the doctor because I just think inside of what I just I just think inside of therapy. I used to sit in the corner so nobody would see me go in, and I used to just hide around, hide around, come in the back, go around the building, and all that, just to avoid people knowing that I was going to therapy. So I hear you, and and that, and you are right. That does happen. There is a lot of shame, but I want to, before we go any further, I want to um, tell people what the definition of anxiety is. And I want to tell people what the definition of depression is, because I think a lot of times people have those, um, they have them confused. So anxiety is a mental condition characterized by excessive apprehensiveness about real or perceived threats, typically leading to an avoidance behavior and often to physical symptoms such as increased heart rate and muscle tension. So, anxiety can, there are different types of anxiety. And I think it's important that we kind of mention that, you know, because everyone doesn't have the same type and everyone has the same thing. It's the same way with depression. So there is social anxiety where you you just, you know, you can't go out. You don't want to be around large crowds. You don't, um, you can't go out your front door. And, um, but that's, the, you know, there are more than that, but that's some of what they what anxiety is. Um, it can be, it can present itself. Um, and crippling. And I think at the, I think at the, huh? And it can be crippling. I used to have social anxiety, feel like people were yeah, talking about it, you or, or thinking about you. They knew what yes, it can be you. very crippling, where you don't want to. Um, where you isolate. And I think that's, you know, when you talk about depression and anxiety, sometimes we, we, both of those can occur in, in the situation when you're dealing with your anxiety and your depression. I know for me it can. So let me start there. For me, I, I think, and I'm very depressed. Um, and some people isolate when they have anxiety because they don't want people to know or it's too triggering and it's too traumatizing for them to deal with large crowds and um, thoughts that continuously run. Um, Another characteristic of a person with anxiety versus depression. Depression, people worry. You're a worrier. You worry about things. 
Um, you get caught up in uh, what if this and I don't have that and oh my gosh, I gotta do this and I do and and you just continuously worry about things where with anxiety you feel threatened. You know, it's like someone is is watching me and it could not be or this this person they're getting or you know those are the kind of things that that occur with anxiety and depression that you can tell the difference between. And so it's I think it's very important for us to know the difference. So when someone says, like I was talking to my therapist yesterday and I told her that I had I felt as if I had had a manic episode. And um she asked me why did I feel that way? Do I think that I'm bipolar? And I said no. Um but when I am depressed before it before it gets to where it goes, um, I often shop a lot to try to make myself feel better. And I will buy a lot of things that I don't need and I get and, and that gives me a sense of euphoria. And so, um, so I think it's it's really important to know the difference between anxiety and depression and manic, um, having manic episodes and things like that. Um, hmm. Can y'all hear me? Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes, we can hear you. Um, I'm sorry. I just I went. I was going through my notes, <laughs> and I was looking at them. Um, but yeah. So, but anyway, swing. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was diagnosed, I felt a lot better. Because I, I always thought I had depression because of that empty feeling. And it's like an empty feeling. My whole entire life, I always had an empty feeling that would not go away. And I could, like, like mm-hmm. to walking around like on Charlie Brown, like walking around with a cloud over your head the whole time. My whole life, cloud over my head. And also, you know, with my memory loss, it was hard for me to learn stuff. It was hard for me to learn how I always had problems with numbers. But it, it took me a long time to learn, and people thought I was slow, and that added to my anxiety and my depression because people thought I was stupid. So I feel like, you know, with, with, like with children, so teach people, teach children how to express themselves. I, and I think that would have helped me a lot if I knew how to express myself and was not afraid to speak up as a child. If you're not afraid to speak up as a child, it's easier to be able to speak up as an adult. And, you know, really advocate for yourself. Because if not, you'll be doing what everybody else wants you to do to alleviate your depression, which is not going to work, until you figure out how 
to cope with it and how to deal with it. And a lot of us, we don't know how to do it because I, I had no clue how to do it. And it led to a suicide attempt after suicide attempt until I finally found something that what made me want to be held accountable for my mental health because I missed out on a lot when I was sick. I missed out. I, I fucked up my physical health as well as my mental health because I didn't care whether or not I lived or died. So I'm dealing with the repercussions of that now. And so it's important that we learn now, don't be afraid to say I'm depressed. Don't be afraid to get in depth with saying how you feel at the doctor, which is what, you know, Sasha's going to talk about. And I know uh, beauty has a lot to say as well on this subject because we, we know we, we're going through it. So no shame. Yeah. Yes. Um, thank you for that. I don't think that people really understand the desperation that you can go through with anxiety. And I think you address that really well. I wanted to say that first. Um, and, uh, that same feeling can come with depression, but it's a little different. Um, I did look up some statistics on depression that I wanted to share with you that might help um, people to understand a little bit more, too. I found three statistics about depression. Women are more likely to have depression than men. An estimated 3.8% of the population experiences depression, including 5% of adults, 4% among men, and 6% among women. And 5.7% of adults older than 60 years old. Approximately 280 million people in the world have depression. And this is as of March 31st of this year. Wow, wow. So the fact that it was finally, depression was finally recognized as an illness and opposed to just something you felt every so often is really Mm -hmm. important because it's recognized that there's a lot more people depressed than than they thought there were. The other thing I looked up is um, they say in 2021, an estimated 14.5 million U.S. adults aged 18 or older had at least one major depressive episode with severe impairment in the past year. So that was in 2021. So they were starting to recognize it back then. But I think this, this um, other statistic in 2023 is amazing compared to what we saw before. It's probably more now. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And the uh, one other one that I found that I wanted to share is, and I didn't know this one, so I don't know if you ladies have heard it. It's the what are the four D's of depression? I didn't know there were four D's. The four what D's are they? often associated with mental health conditions prevalent among the elderly are dementia, depression, delirium, and delusion. Really, to differentiate between these four conditions can have serious consequences. The incidence of depression rises with age. I did not know this. Wow. I did not know that. It's interesting because I have depression in my family, but I also have dementia. I have my mother and her sister both essentially died from dementia. Um, I think I've mentioned before that. My mother didn't even know me by the time she had passed. Um, 
Wow. But it's interesting. I I thought that we were <laughs> maybe this is naive of me, but I thought we'd be able to manage it better as we got older. But it sounds like the battle is still up, uh-huh. uphill once you get to your sixties. So, um, and I oh, say that yeah. because I feel it's important that we recognize that because sometimes I know that when I was first diagnosed with depression, um, I was told that I would need therapy for about a year. And that by that time I should be feeling better. Now the therapist that told me that should not have, I did not know no. that at the time. I was just learning about depression. But because she said that, I put a time limit on when I was going to feel better. Yeah. Right. So I, I kept looking for the day that it was going to happen, that I was just going to feel so much better because they told me a year. And a year came and I was upset. Makes you feel like a with, failure. With another therapist because I was told that I was going to be better in a year. So that was a big mistake that they made in the past also is that they would uh, put a time limit on how long you're supposed to feel this particular way. Uh-huh. And so I want to say to that. Exactly. I want to say to that that you should not put any pressure on yourself when you're feeling depression. And, again, depression shows itself in many different ways. But I think the description that you gave, Sasha, was perfect, that you need to recognize that if you're feeling a cloud over your head and you're feeling down all the time, that is not normal. And it's mm-hmm. not always you because don't of know where why. you are. Right. It, it's not always because of where you are or who you're associating with. Because sometimes it still shows up there where everybody else is laughing and joking and feeling great, and you are lost. You just have yep. a feeling of loss. Then you have to pretend to be happy for them so that they won't worry exactly. about you. And then that's going to make you hold it in and it's going to fuck you up even worse. Exactly. There was a commercial, I don't know if y'all are, um, saw it or not, but there was a commercial back, I think it was at the beginning of the year, it might have been the end of last year, where they had these um, commercials of these people holding masks up to their face with a big yeah, smile. Yeah, I feel them what they mm-hmm. were feeling horrible. That is so common in depression because we feel like, you know, that whole term of dead downers and, you know, um, not being fun and all those things that can be said about being depressed. It's true, but there's literally sometimes where there's no way around it. I used to say mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw life through cheesecloth because it always felt like I, if I just could move it a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, I might be able to attain joy, or at least see what joy looked like. And I could never do it until um, I was actually medicated. And I also know that that's another stigma that um, people have with depression, is that, yeah, Um, that you have to be medicated. It doesn't always happen that way, but sometimes it does. And I have to say, um, in my experience, the medication has helped tremendously. Um, My major episode happened about 10 years ago, so I'm still in therapy now and still working through things, but I wouldn't be able to sit here and talk to you about how I felt 10 years ago because when my episode happened, I sat for two weeks straight and all I did was sleep or cry. And medication... Wow. Yeah, it was... It was I like to travel. I was bad to say. Yeah. So one of the things I did for myself is I was looking for positive affirmations online that had something to do with depression and how the journey is going to be and possibly where you could get to. 
And I found this one self-affirmation. I actually put it next to my mirror in my bathroom. And it's a self-affirmation that says, there is no time limit on healing. Everyone does it at their own pace, and there is no shame for taking months, even years, to get over something bad. It is not a race to recover. No. And that makes a huge difference for me because, like I said, I put a year on it in the beginning, and I was like, I'm going to be fine in six months. You know, I'm going to be fine in two months. I want to go through. I want to see the therapist. It doesn't always happen that way. And to speak on advocacy, um, which I know that Sasha is going to go into in depth, um, I, I had to advocate for myself because the health insurance and the health care um, place that I was going and have been going for a long time, because it was a teaching hospital or a te- teaching doctor's office, for all that time, I every two years I would get a new therapist. Really? And I understand that. They, yeah, and I understand that there's people out there that need to learn in order to do their job. But for me, it was detrimental because every two years, instead of them reading my chart and continuing from where we left off, I would have to start at the beginning again. Start all over again. That's just no. <laughs> yes, and start that whole. It would bring me right back. So all the work that I had done for two years to get to a place where I could explain it and could feel better, I'd be instantly taken back to the trauma. So in advocating for myself, I actually left the healthcare professionals that I was working with at this office and went outside of it to another office to find a therapist. And it's the best thing that I've done for myself. Because now I'm with someone who has been in the business. Yeah, I'm with someone who's been in the business for a long time now, and she's not going anywhere, and she's been able to help me to feel more comfortable and not have to go back and talk about everything. She actually looked at my chart. So advocating for yourself is huge. If you're not feeling that you're getting the help that you need from a particular doctor or nurse or office, change. It's okay. I know that my mother's generation believed that doctors walked on water, that they basically Uh knew everything, and that we should listen to everything that they say. And I, in my generation, have learned that that is not the case, that you really need to um, speak up if you're not getting the help that you need. And one of the ways I do that is when I go to a doctor's appointment and I know that I have to talk to them at length about what's going on, I tell them the person who answers the phone and schedules the appointment that I need at least 20 minutes just to talk to them. Because, yeah, you have to. Right, because you'll get there and they'll do the 20-minute exam and you don't have any time to talk to them about what's going on. So they always give me an extra 20 minutes so I can get everything that I need to out. There's nothing wrong with asking for that time, especially if you have a doctor's office where you always end up going in 15 minutes late and then they're trying to rush you to get out, it helps to be able to say mm-hmm. that you need the extra time in the beginning so that they know. So when you had and, to get out and change a new doctor, how did that feel when you just had to, you knew you had to go find a new doctor that fit you? Right. Right. So, yeah, advocacy is very important. Speaking up is very important. 
um, whether it's to if you're a child talking to an adult or the nurse at your school, if you're a young adult, you know, maybe talking to your friends and seeing how they're feeling and if they're going through anything like you are. Um, as an adult, speaking to other adults always helps. There's always support groups. There's phone numbers that you can call just to find out if what you're feeling is something that may fall under depression because it keeps happening mm-hmm. to you and it keeps happening to you. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you if they think that you're depressed. And they'll tell you if they don't think that you're depressed because it could be situational. Yeah, now they'll tell you whether or not you need therapy, um, medications, or you just need therapy. Exactly. Or if you want to, yeah, go to a doctor that will give you the choice on whether or not you want to try therapy first as to go into just into the medication. So that's what I and do. never feel pressured. Yeah, never feel pressured to just go into medication. Um, yes, mm-hmm. the doctors know what you know. In most cases, know what they're doing. But again, you know your body. Like I can tell you that some of the medications I was on, they told me, "Oh, you're not going to feel anything for six to eight weeks." Well, because I'm so sensitive, I feel the changes within a week or two. And they were telling me that I wasn't feeling them. Well, that's a problem when I'm telling you I'm depressed, and then suddenly I'm not. And you're telling me that it's not exactly. the medication, but it, kept, but it kept happening. You know, every medication they put me on, I'd have almost an immediate reaction to it. So now I know myself enough to know that if they say it's going to take six weeks, it's most likely going to take two weeks at, at the top and that I just really need to pay attention. It's also a great place to start journaling. That helps you to remember too. But definitely speak to someone that can help you. And your story about the church, I also have heard that, where, you know, they tell you things that make you even more frightened and more afraid to speak up sometimes. That's not every church. That's not every religion. But there are ones out there that can do that. So if you still feel like you're not getting the right answer, keep looking. Keep looking and advocate for yourself so that you can be healthy. Everybody deserves that. Thank you, Beauty. Yeah. You are very now welcome. Time for Queen's Thank you. Yes, it is. Thank you for letting me speak on it because it's very important. Oh, sure. No problem. No problem at all. Um, I um, I think that it's very important to advocate for yourself in, in any way that you possibly can. Um Advocacy in the medical world can be intimidating at times, but it also um, it's needed, especially when you are going out here um, and you're you're having tests done, and um, understand like there are a lot of people that do not understand um, medical jargon. Uh, And sometimes in their rush to go from the next patient to the other, some some medical personnel, they they forget that they are talking to an average person. Um, Mm -hmm. So I suggest in that situation that you write down what they say. I think it's uh, personally, 
for me. I think that it's always important for anyone, um, but I say for women, because most of the time we are the ones that are in charge of everything when it comes to families and into the family that includes doctor's appointments. I think that it's important for women to carry a pen and a little notebook that sits down in your purse so that when you're talking to that doctor, you can write down what they say. Um, You can also write down your questions that you have. And writing things down is a very big way to advocate for yourself when it comes to uh, your health. Uh, Because you see it. And when you see it and you write it down, you're giving voice to it. Not just saying, Mm -hmm. but you're actually, you're giving a voice to what you think, what you feel. And you can sit there and show that paper to that physician or you can ask your doctor questions. I know what my doctor, my um, primary care physician, my PCP, I have been seeing my PCP since I was 20, 26 years old. Um, he was a new doctor in town. Um, it just started his practice. And... Um, he was with another doctor. And um, so I've been seeing him that long. We have gotten a relationship where I can write things down and do my own research um, and take my questions to Dr. Singh. And Dr. Singh is one of those doctors where he does not stand up and talk to you, talk, you know, he gets on your level. He sits down. He gets comfortable. Mm. Um, he asks what, you know, what do you, do you have any questions? What do you think about what we've talked about? Um, what do you, how do you want to handle this? What do you think that you need to do? So he's a good doctor in that capacity. He has a really good bedside manner. I say, I've always said you should, um, if the doctor is not giving you what you need, it is a relationship. Just like the relationship with your hairdresser. Your hairdresser isn't giving you the time and, and scrubbing your head, your scalp, like she used to or he used to. Are you going to keep going to him or are you going to leave? Well, I've been seeing him for 10 years. Yeah, but you're not uh-huh. getting what you want anymore. So having your doctor, having that relationship with your doctor is an intimate one and it is a personal one because he mm-hmm. or she knows everything about you and you should be able to talk to them openly and honestly with your concerns and ask questions. If you can't if you can't ask questions of anybody, 
I don't care if it's your pastor, your doctor, your minister, your lawyer, your whomever. If you can't ask them questions, then I personally don't feel that I need their service. And it's okay. Exactly. And sometimes people have to have that um, that thing where they're told that it's okay. You don't have to do this. And especially for women, because we are groomed to be nice and polite um, and not rock the boat. Uh, because if you are too loud, then you are masculine. If you're too whatever, you are whatever people want to think of you. But it's your health. And so you need to find that thing in you that says, okay, I'm worth it. Um, my health is worth it. Um, what I need and what I want is important and ask for what you need and ask for what you want. There's a difference between being assertive and just being flat out hostile and rude. Assertive is no thank you. I've had enough. No thank you. That I don't want that. No, thank you. That's not going to work for me. No, thank you, doctor. I don't want that. I want to do this. So you don't have to be, as a woman, we don't have to be hostile or angry because I know as black women, when we are um, assertive and when we do stand up for ourselves, we are often labeled loud, um, aggressive, um, angry, and that's not what it is. Being assertive and standing up for yourself is something that we all need to learn how to do, and we all need to get in the habit of learning the difference between these things so that when someone tries to call you out and say, you are being an angry black woman, you can then say, no, I'm not. I am standing up for myself. I am asserting my control over me and telling you, no, I don't want that. I don't need that. The word no or the is the simplest word in the English language, but is also the most powerful word in the English language. It says what it needs to say without there being an explanation behind it. No. And it gives you it crosses all the bounds and lets you know. No. And you need not say anything else. If you choose to expand upon that, that's your choice. But you said no, and that's it. Um, so I, I really feel like that is important for women to understand that there's a difference between being angry, loud, and all that. 
but you're being, you have to take a stance of being assertive and standing up for yourself. And you have all the right to do that. And that is the biggest part of self-advocating that I feel like a lot of women need to understand. Another part of, of self-advocating is when you, we talked, I talked about writing things down. Not only you writing things down, but you have the other person write them down. I know for myself when I, I, I am now a single woman, but even before I was a single woman, even when I was married, um, I dealt with the car. That was my thing. Michael let me handle that because I had that knowledge. Um, there were things that he worked on, but when it came to it, a lot of times we both um, worked in unison. Um, but then there were some moments where I took the lead role and I would say, I'm taking this role because I know what this is. Um, and in doing that, I would go to car dealerships where I would get my car worked on and they tell me, well, you need this and you need that. And I would very clearly say to them, write it down so that I can look that up for myself. Um, and a lot of times, some men, you know, they were, okay, no problem and would do that. Then there were those others that took offense. Well, I'm not telling you the wrong thing. I, I'm not worried about you telling me the wrong thing. I want to look it up for myself. Or also when you are, you know, looking for parts and you want you want certain parts for your car. I know for myself personally, when I have a vehicle, like my vehicle that I have now is in the Dodge family. So with that, I know that the the part that came from part. So when I have my tune-up done and they change my wires and my plugs on my car, I want those particular name brand wires and plugs to go back on my vehicle. So you have to know those things and you have to assert yourself in a respectable way and say, write that down. Um, I want to know about it. Um, earlier part of the year, I had issues with my tires. And um, before I called to see about getting a tire replaced, I knew the size, the make, of said tire. And um, did you say, yes, I did. Oh, okay. Well, you you were right on it. And uh, no, that comes with the, first he said, uh, no, that comes with a 16. You have a 16 size wheel. No, usually they do. But my particular vehicle has a 17. I use 17 um, on my car. Kumo tires, as a matter of fact, size 17. And, oh, oh, yeah, they can go up to that. So, you, you know, 
you have to do research. Uh, I am a researcher. I, I say research as much as you can. Um, when it comes to medical things, you have to be a little bit careful where you go to research and things that you look up online because there is a lot of misinformation that you have. But if you have a particular um, situation, of course, like myself, cancer, um, instead of me going online and Googling all these WebMD and da-da-da-da-da, I went straight to the source, cancer.org, uh, the American Cancer Society. Um, and from there, I, I found the correct information that I've needed. And also, when you go to your doctor, ask this nurse, speak to the nurses, and ask them for reputable websites that you could go to in order to um, look up and find more information and learn from or about the particular medication that you're getting, that um, the particular um, procedure, also the particular um, diagnosis that you have been given. The nurses, I say go to the nurses because we all know if you've worked and been around in hospitals and in the medical field, then we all know that nurses really are the ones that run things. They are the gatekeepers. And as being such, you can get a lot of information from them quicker sometimes than you can from your physician. So I say go to them. Um, and when you are out here in the world and you are making friends and you're adding people to your circle or to your tribe or whatever, I say try, if at all possible, to include someone in the medical field because we are very useful. Um, one thing about the medical field is that if one person doesn't know, then we can go to other people and present your particular case as a case study and say, hey, I know someone, because with HIPAA, it's not good to give names. So I know someone that was recently diagnosed with Crohn's disease, as an example. Um, and you can... Say to that particular friend that's in the medical field, hey, you know what? Um, can, I can I present this case study to you? I have someone that is going through X, Y, and Z, and I'm trying to get them some information, but I'm running into roadblocks. Can you help me? And most of the time, they will. Um, and if you know, like myself, I have a I have a friend that is a oncologist uh, nurse. She's a cancer nurse. And so when there are things that I myself don't understand uh, about my own diagnosis, I definitely run to my friend Dorian and, and I will ask Dorian these questions. And um, she knows that I am a researcher 
and I am a studier. And so she has given me um, some legitimate websites and information that I can go on when it is when looking for things in advanced cancer because that's what my diagnosis is is under advanced cancer. Um, I think it's very good to have someone like that in your tribe, in your circle that you can go to and ask those questions. All of that is you advocating for yourself. Um, the same way with blood work. When you, if you have hypothyroidism, if you think that it's your thyroid and your, your numbers come back, you get your blood work and your numbers are coming back and the doctor is saying, oh, they are, you know, your numbers are fine. Your T3 is, is good. It's where it should be. But then there's also other things on that paper that say something about free radicals. So it's good to go to a nurse and say, well, what is this about free radicals? What is that? What do you think that is? Should I be concerned about that? This number is really high. Uh, what do you think? And they can tell you um give you their opinion of what they think it is and where you should go and what you should do and how you should go back to your doctor and say, well, this isn't right. I don't feel right. I want tests. Um, I want to find out this and that. Um, another thing that for self-advocating that I say is, um, no, you're right. You have a right to refuse tests. If it's something that you just don't want to do, you have a right to refuse it. Um, if it's if it's uncomfortable for you, um, you don't have to do it. There are things, especially where I live. Um, when I was dealing with my husband going in and out of the hospital, um, he was going in the hospital because he was a type 1 diabetic. His blood sugar would go real low, and he would have to go in. Um, there were a few times where he was passing ABK, which means that his sugar was so high that the sugar proteins and things were coming out of his, out of his body. Um, now, when you are in the hospital, you go in the hospital, they automatically give you a blood gas. If you've never had a blood gas, okay, good for you. But if you have, then you know that they are freaking painful, very painful to have a blood gas. They stick you um, in your wrist. Um, to get fresh blood that comes from there and they put it in a little little thing and test how much oxygen is in your blood. It's what's called blood gas. But it's very painful of where they do it. You can refuse that. They will come at you and say, oh, well, we have to do this. No, you don't. You may have to. 
but if I'm breathing fine, I'm I'm breathing good on oxygen, and you can take that oxygen off, and you're getting uh, you're not getting dizzy. You can stand up and you can breathe on room air, just regular room air, nothing. Then you don't have to have that, and so you have to know your rights and stand up for yourself and say, "I'm doing it. I don't want that. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that." I don't want you doing that to me. And they cannot force you to do that. I also want y'all to understand now in a time where there are a lot of people that do not have health care coverage. I want you all to know that if you go into the hospital and you get placed in the hospital and they admit you and they say, well, we're going to keep you for two or three days, but you're still not better and you don't feel better, they cannot put you out of the hospital. They can't. It's illegal. Know that. Because there are a lot of times where hospitals want that bed and it makes them money. But if you're not well, and you feel that you're not well, then you don't have to go. That's your right. They can't put you out if you're still sick. Um, But you have to say that, and you have to refuse. I'm sick. You have to call. I want to see my doctor. Um, I think it's also harder to see your doctor and have that doctor care when you, um, excuse me, I think it's harder to have that doctor care now when, when you are admitted into the hospital, a lot of times they, you're not seeing your primary physician. You're seeing a hospitalist. And so this person, they'll switch out. That's another thing. I want y'all to know. You don't have to keep if you went in the hospital on Thursday, by Friday, you may have another doctor, another case. Someone else may have taken over your case. You don't have to accept that. You tell them, no, because it's just like Beauty said, you starting all over. You don't have time for that. Again, when I was in the hospital before my diagnosis of cancer, I had three hospitalists come in and see me. Um, I was about to have number four, and I just flat out said, hell no. I want you. I've had enough. I'm tired of going over everything that I have been through, what I'm feeling. I have told you the history. I have given you the breakdown of everything that's been going on with me for the last six months. I don't want another doctor, and I don't want to have to repeat this story and start all over from the beginning again. So, no. Either you fucking find out what's wrong with me, or you let me go. Sometimes you have to be a little harsh, but it's your right. And he said, okay, I won't trade you. I will take your case until we find out, yes, you will. 
That's what I told them. Yes, you will. If it's a problem, then then get my physician in here. But they don't do that. So, you know, sometimes that's what you have to do when you advocate for yourself. Sometimes you will have to get a little harsh. And that's okay. You have to get people's attention and let them know that you don't have to go irate. But if you have to raise your voice a little bit, then that's, that's what you have to do. When you are really sick and you have to have a surgical procedure, take someone with you um, so that that person can speak for you. Um, clue them in. Don't have them just there just to be there. They need to be clued in on what's going on, what the procedure is, what the outcome is supposed to be, how it's going to run. Well, once I get through, they're going to take me in recovery. I'm going to be, supposedly, I'm going to be in recovery for 30, 40 minutes. And then I'm going to come back out to my room or whatever. Let them know I'm having a stint or I'm having a DNC. I am having a, I'm being scoped. They're putting this camera and light down my throat. Um, I'm having a colonoscopy. Whatever it is, have someone to go with you if at all possible so that someone can be there. I say the same thing when you're in the hospital. If you are going to be in the hospital and you are in the hospital, try to have someone there. I understand that. It happens. Been there myself. But if you can have someone there that knows you, that will be not just someone to be a, a doorstop or a hat rack, but someone that is actually going to stand up and fight for you and advocate for you because you are going to be at that time little, little wonky. You're not going to be able to do those things. You're not going to be all the way there and know everything that's going on. And sometimes when you're sick and you're really sick, you need someone to fight for you. So I say definitely have someone there if you can that knows the procedures, knows what's going on, and is willing and has that that oomph in them to stand up and say, okay, this is not what's going to happen. I want this for my person, however you may be to that person. Um, I think that that is really important. Um, when it comes to blood size people, uh, when we are going to doctors, like, for instance, having a mammogram, um, Mammograms are uncomfortable. If you've never had one, they're uncomfortable. Um, but they can be even more so uncomfortable if you are three plus hundred pounds. If you are 450 pounds, there are people that are 450 pounds. Um, they can be more uncomfortable than 
someone that's 250. So I suggest if you can't stand up to have that test for those 40 to 45 minutes that it takes to have that complete test done, then speak to someone. I say speak to the technician that is going to be doing your test. The front desk is good. They are good. They do their job. But I say speak to someone that is going to be handling you and lifting up your large breast and being that close to you for those 40 to 45 minutes, you need to establish a rapport with this person. A lot of times when we go to have these tests, they don't, sometimes they do, they're getting better. They don't have gowns to fit us. Bring your own robe. You have a kimono, one of your, something that's covered, short, comfortable, that you enjoy to wear, don't bring out your, you know, your house clothes. But go get you something really nice. And take that with you. Um, if you, Like I said, if you need a chair, let that be known. If you use a wheelchair, let that be known. Um, if you have large breasts, let that be known before you get there so that they know that you're coming and they can prepare and it's not just like, oh, wow, what are we going to do? Where are we going to put her? Because we don't have the capabilities of handling someone at this size, this weight. And it happens. It shouldn't. But it does. And that is a very good way to advocate for yourself. Um, when you schedule that appointment, talk to them. Well, can I speak to a technician or to the technician um, three or four days before your appointment? They have assigned someone and call the front and say, I need to speak to someone. When it comes to having um MRIs and CT scans, and you're having to lay on tables, PET scans. Don't do me. Don't do like me. Who are you going to do like me? Uh, but when it comes to you having those particular scans, if, it, if you are 400 plus pounds and it's hard for you to move from that gurney to that table, if that table can come up, have them to bring it up. If you need help moving, let them know that you need help moving before you get there. Um, if you're going to a freestanding clinic in order to have an MRI or a CT or something of that nature done, call. Call in advance. Make sure that they can fit you. If they can't fit you, then you need to call your doctor. And there's someone at your doctor's office, they have a scheduler. That's her job. She schedules. She schedules all of your tests that needs to be done. If you need, if, if the hospital doesn't fit, can't have an open MRI machine or open CT machine, 
and you need one with a higher of 500 pound weight limit, tell them that. Tell the scheduler. Speak to someone and say, this is what I need. This isn't going to fit me. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're going to be embarrassed, uncomfortable. There is no reason to be uncomfortable and you're trying to see about yourself. It's not, it's just not. And sometimes you may have to travel. For myself as a supersized BBW, I can sit in the, the PET scan machine here, the, the imaging machine. But before that, I wasn't. I had to go to Emory. Emory Hospital, I've lost weight since 2021. So going to Emory Hospital at that time was the only hospital that I could go to that would fit me comfortably in the machine to have a PET scan. Am I Can afraid? I'm often afraid that I'm going to have to. Huh? I said you found that out by calling them? No. I found out the hard way. Oh, okay. <laughs> I found out the hard way. That's how and that's why I know. If you have to have, um, if you're in a small city, in a small town, and you have to have a bone marrow, and you're 400 pounds plus, they may not be able to do it at the local hospital in your in your city, in your town. You may have to go to a metropolitan area, a larger area, in order to have learned and done that the hard way. I can give you the horror story about it waiting two weeks to have a bone biopsy, um, someone to do it during the highest time of COVID. So right, some right. things that you have, to, you have to do in order to advocate for yourself, um, <clears throat> like I said, get everything in writing. I, I can't stress that enough. Get it in writing. I don't care what it is. Um, if it's not for me personally, if you didn't send it to me and it's not written down in some blue or black ink, that shit didn't happen. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's interesting. That's my philosophy. At my doctor's office, they actually give you a printout at the end of your visit that tells you everything yes. that was discussed. And if it's incorrect, yes. you can correct them at the time. Mhm. Yes, that's true. I, I get that as well. I also get um, an email of the doctor's notes because I do the patient. I have a patient portal, and so with that right. patient portal, everything comes to me in my email. But I also, yep. I think that it's important to in other aspects of life. Um, to get it written down. If it's about, you know, your car, get that shit written down. Absolutely. If it's about some money, get that shit written down. <laughs> I can't say that enough. If it's, you know, because sometimes people, you know, they don't want to give you. They don't, 
They think you're dumb. They think you don't know how. They think you don't. Something else on that note is that, um, oh, it just flew out of my head just as quickly as I said that. (laughs) I'm sorry. I did not mean to interrupt. I had something to say, but it's gone. They'll come back. Um, and one of the biggest things, and I've learned okay, this now. myself. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Told you. Um, no, you when you go to when you go to a doctor's office or a hospital or a clinic or any place where they have you fill out paperwork, there's usually a page mm-hmm. that it has a lot of a lot of words written out describing something or other. Take your time mm-hmm. to read that because a lot of times yeah. we don't and we just sign it because we're trying to get in and out. And there's things in there mm-hmm. that you wouldn't have agreed with if you'd read the whole thing, um, especially exactly. when it comes to the health, your health care proxy, which a lot of people have to fill out at their doctor's office. That health care mm-hmm. proxy is so open-ended that they can basically do anything, including overriding whoever you've chosen to be in charge. So it's really important that you read the fine print. Yes, I agree. That's a good point. Thank you for for saying that and sharing that. Yeah. Um, Mm, Absolutely. And and also, if you have done, you know, uh, an advanced directive, and you have that advanced directive with your, you're supposed to have it at the hospital, and you're supposed to have it on file, at your PCP. Things change. You change your mind. Um, And that's okay. But make sure that that advanced directive is still on file, it's still current, and that you still feel the way that you feel because you may not. And if you don't, you can can tell them, uh, you know, I need to take that off because I I don't I don't want to do that now. You may at time at that time wanted all life you know, all life saving efforts, but you may have gotten you know if your condition has gotten worse, your sickness has gotten worse. Um, you may not want that now. You may you may have made peace with that. So you know definitely. Keep a check on those types of things um, and update and also them. Also update. That a lot of, I was just going to say something that a lot of people don't know is that you can also get an attorney to write up those papers for you. So mm-hmm. you can have it say exactly what you want it to say, and they keep it on file, and you have a copy for yourself to give to the doctor's offices. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can definitely do that. And if you can't do that, because unfortunately, people can't afford it. Um, but you can go on, and I think that's a, that. I think that's another topic that we should definitely get into about um, wills and advanced directives, living wills, and and things of those nature, how to make those work, how to get them, how to get them notarized. 
when should you, you know, I, I think that's another really important conversation that can be had as well. Um, but there are sites that you can go on and get. Right, and there's also um, places you can get free legal help, too. So that might be something else yes. we talk about. Mm-hmm, yes. But you can definitely get those online. But you, they are not considered legal or binding until no. they have been notarized. Exactly. When you get them notarized, then they are, they are legal. Now, the forms themselves are forms that are considered legal um, that an attorney would give you if you were to have a advanced direct or power of attorney done. But no one is going to hold that and say, okay, this is legal and binding unless it has been notarized. So you can't just go print it off and and let that be that. You have to get it notarized. Um, Absolutely. And that's that's something that, you know, consideration when you're doing things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing else thing I wanted to say about when you're self-advocating for yourself, um, please and thank you and follow up. Like a please and a thank you goes a long way. Um, acknowledging the work that someone has done for you to help you. Um, it was a woman that um, that really helped me at my doctor's office. She's no longer at my doctor's office, but she, you know, she went over and and beyond and above to really help me. And I finally got what I needed, and I called there to the office. So thank her. Thank you. I really appreciate what you did. Um, you really helped me, and I appreciate that. You know, um, and because of that, she was awarded. Uh, the the doctor's office, the office manager, gave her a bonus because of me calling back and, and thanking her and saying, I really appreciate you helping me. And and all of that. So, you know, stand up for yourself, but there's never anything wrong with being kind. Always remember that. A kind word will get you in a lot of doors. So remember that. It will get you into a lot of doors. So definitely follow up and say thank you. I was just saying thank you very much. That was a lot of information, but I think a lot of people will learn from it. Oh, I hope so, because I I think it, it sparked because of a lot of conversations that I have been privy to for the last couple of days um, in my personal question. 
That's the question myself. Um, I've seen a lot of conversations come up where people were women of of all nationalities who were like, well, the doctor, I, you know, I couldn't get this and he wouldn't do that. And, what? Girl, you need to get a new doctor. Um... And I, I just hate that that you know, and it, and I I'm not trying to make I don't want to make it a color thing, a black white thing or whatever. But at the same time, I feel as a black woman, I feel that it is important to encourage my sisters to advocate for themselves. But Absolutely. I think that all women should advocate for themselves and I and I hope that um they heard it. I was before the the technical difficulty I was going to do an announcement. Uh, I was gonna let y'all know and I see, you know, Swain has um stepped away. But I wanted to let y'all know that Night Talks with Sasha has gotten up to 180 listens. Yes. Yes, that was the number I thought of last time. <laughs> well, you said that there was a number yep. that we should should look forward to. 180 was my number. Congratulations. Really? Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Um, thank you. And we have gotten to 100. And and that's another thing. We have added another international country to our to our growing list. Germany. Stop it. Wow. Hey Germany. Thank you for listening. Hey Germany. Thank you for listening, Germany. And I called one last time, but that was wrong. It's the Philippines. Okay. Well, hello to the Philippines. Yeah. And we also had somewhere in Africa. Philippines. Um, um, what was it? Zambia. 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 It's Philippines, Zambia, Barbados, and now Germany. Barbados. Thank you, family. <laughs> yes. Right yeah. on. So, yep. 180. So, I mean, that's wow. It's better than I I thought. I I was like, and I set the goal for this month. Um, I think I said over 200. Okay, we're gonna well, get there. Yeah, we are. I mean, the last number yeah, was 167, if I'm correct. Yeah, and that was only a couple yeah, of years Yeah, it ago. was. Yeah, it was. And and that was even, and we, it was like 167, and, mm-hmm. um, and we haven't even done anything since we did the birthday, the, the show on a Wednesday or Thursday yeah. or whatever it is. That's And great. we haven't done anything. Yeah. Well, thank you. Listeners. And I went back we and I looked. Yeah. Yes, we do. 
thank you, Germany. I was like, I looked, because I, I hadn't looked on it, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I saw the thing, and it said 180. I was like, 180? And then I scrolled right. down and looked, and it said um, Germany, 56%. Point. 56%. So, and then, and what I love about it is, like, it, every time that some, that a different country pops up, it becomes blue. It looks up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that was exciting news. I was going to, I wanted to share that with, with y'all. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be sure to yes, most definitely. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. It makes you feel all tingly on the inside. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, MTWS it does. It really does. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, I, you know, it's like, wow, okay. Um, 180. Wow. But we're going to get some more content. And we got some, we got some stuff coming up, um, that we want to do. Um, I have a guest that I, um, that I said I was going to get on, that I was going to bring on the show as well. Um, Riri and I are talking about trying to get somebody on the show. So okay. um we might we might do that. Um and I also wanted to talk about Henrietta Lex and her family. Yes. And the fact yes, that that's right. big changes have been made for her family. And I think it's really important mm-hmm. to share that with everybody. Yes. I think it's important as well. Um we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to do a show on that. It's really important. And on top of us doing a show about that, um, we said that we may read um, medical. Yes. Is that the right word? Yes, medical apartheid, yeah. Okay. Okay. We said that we were going to. Not a black woman, isn't it? Yes, it's a black woman. Her name is Harriet A. Washington. Mhm. It is not mm-hmm. a quick read, but it's a very informative no. read. And I think yeah, we both it is that a it's very a little bit of a tough read too, but I think it's important. Yes. I yes, actually have one in my hand right now. Oh wow! Okay, I I was gift I was gifted it. Like somebody gave it to me. Um, an electronic copy of the book. I'm trying to remember if it's on my laptop. I think it is. Okay. Whoa. Um. I can read a bit of the But I also. Huh. I said I can read a little bit of the description if it is. Okay, go ahead and read it. Um, it says, winner of National Book Critics Circle Award for Nonfiction, Penn Oakland, 
Josephine Miles' 17th Annual National Literary Award Honor Book, Black Caucus of the American Library Association, 2007 Davos, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Myers Outstanding Book Award winner. It's the first full history of Black America's shocking mistreatment as experimental subjects at the hands of the medical establishment. Shocking, sobering, and immensely consequential in its implications, Medical Apartheid is a comprehensive history of the abuse of medical experimentation on African Americans who have for centuries served as unwilling and unwitting subjects, the product of years of prodigious research into medical journals and experimental reports long undisturbed. Medical Apartheid reveals the hidden underbelly of scientific research and makes possible for the first time an understanding of the roots of the African-American health deficit. Mm. So pretty fascinating. And like I said, it's, yeah. you know, we both heard it's a, it's a hard read, but I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Yes. Have you ever heard of this book called um, The Delectable Negro? I have not. What is that book about? Eating what? I thought that, that, okay, I didn't think that that was actually what it was about. Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. It's just, ooh. Jesus. That was another one. I had that book as well. And um, I tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Um, I haven't had I haven't really took the time to do a lot of reading this year, which is which is kind of unlike me. But for the last two years, though, my my mental um, ability to focus and really um, tune in and and get into a book deep enough has been gone. So um, I tried last year. I tried to stay. Um, as afloat as I could, but this year I was like, hmm, I didn't mean for it to happen. I said I was taking a break for some, from some things um, right. to focus on what I wanted to focus on and do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that meant that I was taking a break from books, but I just, I haven't had the I haven't even really wanted to um right. to read really. Um I had I had a couple of books and um I didn't even finish them. I didn't even get halfway through them. Um mm-hmm. and that's unlike me, but hopefully I'm hoping that um later on this year uh, I will be able to get into some 
some book reading and, and get some. And I know Erica Lynn is going to talk about me because I'm going to probably say this woman's name wrong. Go on and text it to me, Erica Lynn, and let me know that I'm going to say her name wrong. Tanavir. Tanavir. Tanavir Du is her name. Okay. Um, she's considered um horror. I read one of her books called The Good House, and it wasn't scary to me. I read some scary stuff. It was not scary, but it was good. It wasn't scary. But um, she has some books out. I think they came. They have already come out, or they're coming out this year. I can't. I can't remember. But um, I want. I want to read her. Her new book. Um, and I thought that would be good for Halloween because I like to read. I think in in a book group that I'm in, um, I'm the I am the co-admin for the group, and okay. so I <laughs> I'm always talking about let's read something scary. Halloween, October, Halloween, scary. Three something scary. But, you know, not a lot of people want to do that, though. A lot of people don't like horror. I like horror. Yeah, I'm good. I like, yeah. I like psychological thrillers. Psychological thrillers. Okay, I like those too. I like those too. Um, I've read some really good. Psychological thrillers. Um, I want to. Um, I want to get into, but you got to read a book. I want to get into doing a monthly wrap up, but you got to read a book for you to do a monthly wrap up of all you. Because I see people doing it now. I don't know if I'm gonna keep if I'm gonna do a. Um, a book planner, like you know, a, a book diary, journal. I don't know right. if I'm gonna do all that though. That's a lot. It doesn't have yes. to be that serious. That's right. I said, evangelist. That's a lot. Y'all be doing a lot. Y'all be doing too much. I just be looking at those women like, wow. I wish I had the patience. She's like, I don't know why you don't. You are a planner. I'm like, yeah, but sis, that's a lot. I no. Yeah, Look at that calendar you did. You are a planner, and I am in my own way. But no, I think you're committed to enough things right now. <laughs> you think so? You spread a little. <laughs> spread a little thin. <laughs> true, 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 true. That is true. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this break because we're we're getting ready to uh we're gonna take us a week off. Uh, I might get too comfortable and go a little longer. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, but we're gonna take a week off. Um, the week of my birthday, we're gonna take it off. So. Um, but yeah, I think 
we need a break. We need a we need a little a little break and um not have to worry and deal with everything for a little bit. Um and come back mm-hmm. and uh, and be stronger than what we were and get some and just rock out the rest of this year. Huh? Even though we're taking a break, I said, even though we're taking a break, we'll the show will still be here. Yes, so it will. Long, the show will be here. Yeah, it will be here. We're just going to, we're working on some things behind the scenes. So don't y'all worry. We're going to still be around, but um, it's it's August and, you know, we need a little, we need a little, little, little time away for a little bit, and um, so that we can enjoy. I know, you know, you ladies have been enjoying the summer and getting out and doing things. I haven't. I haven't really done anything. Um, so I'm going to do my darndest to get out and um do some things and go brunching with some friends and go to dinner with some friends and um, get dressed up and look pretty with some friends. <laughs> I think that'd be good. Uh, yeah, Much needed. it is. I need Yeah. With everything you're going through, yeah. you need some time. So I don't yeah. think anybody's going to be upset with that. No, I doubt it. No one will. So um, they understand. And if they don't, well, that's okay, too. Because it's going to happen. So um, I was looking at doing a, um, going to a concert next month. And I wanted to do that experience, you know, that experience of going on the lawn and sitting outside with your friends and Child, you yep. know, you bring a picnic basket, you do a picnic yep. basket, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we were like, me and the young lady that were talking about it, we were like, you're going to be hot. <laughs> you're right, sis. Yeah. yeah. You're right. It's better to do that in the fall. Yeah. And then she looked at she looked at the tickets. <laughs> she looked at the cost of the tickets and she said, Sis, yeah. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> she said, No. I'm not paying that kind of money to go see them. And I've already seen them. And when I saw them, I saw them in my hometown where I'm from. And I saw them for free. So, yeah. no, my good sis. I was like, well, damn. Okay. And nobody wants to bake like a chicken either. Nobody wants to bake like a chicken. No. And I don't need to be out there anyway. I'm, I burn yeah. too easily now. And you definitely don't want to be out there baking like a chicken. No. Well, I was going to get me, I was going to order a personal um, tent. We were looking at ordering a tent off of Tina. Oh. 
taking out oh, their wisdom. I don't think they let you in with stuff like that. They probably don't. Because people behind you may not. But then I found you. out that this is not going to be on an actual lawn. Like their lawn is like steps and you got to go up. I'm like, I'm oh, shit. Oh, um, okay. I don't want to do that. So, I'll show you that's what I said. I'm I'm done. <laughs> That's it. Because if I mean fifty nine like sixty dollars, it's not a lot, but it is a lot, you know. Yeah. But if you go on the inside, the Terrence area, that because that's all that they got left now, they're like eighty five, and then it's with Ticketmaster. And did you did you hear all that stuff about Ticketmaster and um, Taylor Swift? The How Ticketmaster? Oh yeah, yes. they were they were charging so much for the tickets and the fees, and you know, because people would buy up all the tickets and then they would come back and resell them, and then they were reselling right. them at such a higher price. Yeah. Well, there had after all of that happened with the Swifties, because that's what her fans call themselves, the Swifties. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it was a um, what's called a petition to disband um Ticketmaster because you know Ticketmaster and Live Nation are now one. Oh, and they have that. monopolized the ticket, ticket buying world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get the special privileges if you're American Express, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, <clears throat> and I think, what, the weekend of my birth? No, it's not my week. It's not the weekend. But, well, it's almost the weekend. I think it's the 14th. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Carter, Miss Carter coming to um Atlanta. Uh uh-uh. uh, they're talking about people mortgaging their homes. Mhm. But also, tickets. I heard that the tickets are were cheaper across the pond than they were here in the U.S. Like there I were people it. going to Paris and London and places like that to see her because the tickets were cheaper over there than yep. here. I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it too. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I ain't never, I ain't never gonna see her. I ain't shit. I don't like Miss Carter <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You think about it. Most of the people that are purchasing the tickets are part of the Beehive, right? Because they're no. to be reckoned with. You can't mess with the Beehive. <laughs> well, so. a lot of them are, but then there are a lot of people that are, I guess, new to the Beehive. This oh, is their okay. first show. This is their first oh. show. They've never been to her, see her before Beyonce, and so this is their first show, 
So I don't know. But also, <laughs> you think it's you think it's gonna come out on Netflix? Absolutely. All of her other concerts have recently. May I have don't to know. wait a little while. Homecoming, yeah, that was a huge one. This one was huge, and that that's on. You can look it at was. it now. You can look yeah, at it now, it and they even have background story in, in the in the video. How she selected mm-hmm. the dancers and where she got them from, and all of that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do that at the show. I don't know. Um, Kiki Palmer is coming to. Well, Kiki Palmer is going on tour, and she's also coming to Atlanta. Now, I hope Kiki ain't trying to have them damn Beyonce prices now, because that's just ridiculous. I, I like Kiki yeah, and everything, but Kiki, uh-uh. Kiki girl, you better sit down. Beyonce shouldn't even have those prices. I'm sorry. Nobody should have prices like that. That's why before Prince passed away, one of the best things he did for his his uh, fans is he sold his tickets for $25 a piece. Wow. $25. You could see Prince. Mm. Can you imagine? Wow. I mean, that's the prices that I paid back in the 80s, but, well, the 90s, early 90s. Yeah, but $25 to see Prince live. And some of the sets were acoustic. Mm. Like, he didn't even have the whole setup. He mm-hmm. just was a small venue with acoustic music. I would pass out. Mm-hmm. I think that was I think that was what, uh, what he did in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think it was at the Fox. And it was just like, a yep. p- he was there with a piano? Yep. Mm-hmm. His whole tour was $25 yeah. no matter where he went, which is unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. That he is. Too. He, he was just magnificent. I never knew that, though. Like, if I had known that, mm-hmm. I would have took myself. $25 a piece. I remember yeah. in 2000 seeing D'Angelo, and I was all, <laughs> like, I paid $50 what? for some tickets. And we were all like, we were almost in the front row. We were by the wow. the, the pit, you know, where the the VIP and all that is going. And that wow. was the time that I met Usher, and Usher touched me on my shoulder. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Okay. Okay. Yeah, he said he. I was standing there talking to some people. Um, some of my college friends decided to come to the show, but we weren't sitting together. And um, mm-hmm. I was over there, and this guy came by, and he touched me on the shoulder, and he said, "Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, miss, or something like that." All I heard was excuse me. And I looked up. And he had on like a white shirt and some white pants, and it was. And I was like, Usher Raymond. <laughs> Usher Raymond just touched me on my right shoulder. <laughs> he called him by his whole government name. <laughs> I never watched his shoulder. 
I'm never touching it again. Don't nobody wow. touch these shoulders. Oh. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I've had brushes with fame, yeah. but not literally like that. Well, at least really? I, did meet, I did meet the Dalai Lama, and he touched me. Oh, wow. But, that, but that's not the oh, same brush or <laughs> Yeah, it was, that, that whole day was crazy. It was crazy. Crazy. It was a two-day event. I went to hear him speak in Maui. Wow. And yeah. Oh, wow. That was, I bet that Unbelievable. Was um, it was. It was incredible. I was more caught up looking at one of uh, D'Angelo's flirting with one of his security guards than actually looking at him. Yeah, man. I was trying to get me a Three-way tickets to New York. Yes, I sure was. He was looking at me, and I was looking at him. Oh, my goodness. He was talking to me, and I was talking to him. I would have loved to see D'Angelo. I never saw D'Angelo. I never saw Jill Scott. I never seen Erica Badu. All the people on the label that I love, but now I'd never got to see them. In the RE, I've always wanted to see them. Yes, gosh, you, you can't go see Jill Scott by yourself. You you have to go with someone because afterwards, a whole nother show. whole nother show. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, they'll they'll make you want to do some thing things. Lord of mercy. She make you want to do some thing thing, honey. Yeah. Thang, thang, thang. 2015, not Mike, it's me to speak. Huh? I said the thang thing, not just the thang. No, the thang thing. <laughs> um, 2015, that was a birthday gift. That my oh, love nice. gave me. Oh. Yeah. And so we went to see Jill Scott and um, <laughs> we was at Chastain Park in Atlanta. And it's in a, it's the theater, the amphitheater is in a residential neighborhood upscale, Richie really? Rich. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so. You have to, you know, they say the show is going to end at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It's going Mm -hmm. to end at that time. Like, there are no, there are no ifs, ands in between about it. (laughs) Right. There we were, the show, like, oh, is the show over? Everybody's looking like, is it over? Like, what happened? Because she just, like, it was like she finished the song and then quick the lights went out. Like, well, damn. And, uh, yeah, so, it was funny. When we, uh, we went and got pizza and singing, and I was singing and eating pizza, and, and then we went back to the hotel, and, well, that's it. 
That's all I can tell you. <laughs> all right. All right now. <laughs> I took a long walk. Exactly. We took a long walk. And you found out that he loves me. <laughs> something, right? Who did? And I wrote something back. So you just go and read Oh, I'm Jay. Okay. I'll go holler. (laughs) He needs to come on our show. Literally and figuratively. No, he doesn't. He needs to be on the show. No, he does not. No, he, he does. No, he doesn't. Because if he came on it, I would not. You need to come you need to come on the show. I would not. I would. I wouldn't even be able to, to handle it. I'll just be. I wouldn't even handle it. Are you there, Sasha? You there? That's okay. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. Okay. You have to, because I would just be like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's weird. I. I. There's certain people that I can't speak to. But they're not the people that you would think mm-hmm. I should speak to. I was always the person that when I hung up with my girlfriends and they'd be like, oh, he's so cute. I wish I could talk to him. I'd go over and be like, listen, that lady over there, <laughs> she really uh, wants you to come over and say hello. Could you please come over? And they did. Okay. That stuff never freaked me, out. freaked me out as if I was doing it for myself. But that's a whole different subject. But I still oh, did yeah. it. It would scare me, but I still did it. I've never, yeah. I've had a problem with that. Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten better at it. Cause like I just got very grown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, I have. Like that guy that I was telling you about on I'm in inbox with. Like, yeah. I said, I remember what I said to him. This woman was like, ooh, that picture, though. And I was like, girl, yes, that beard, though. I'm going to run my fingers through it. And then I said, oh, I said, sir, um, do you have a woman? Because <laughs> the worst thing it is is to be lusting after a man and his woman is happy. Or even if a woman exists. That's stuck it down. Changes the whole conversation. <laughs> In there. Right? That's not fun. Yeah. No fun. No. He was like, he doesn't, man with a beard, he doesn't have I don't know. I don't know how much constraint yeah. I can have with that. Beards are a serious weakness for me. As long as it's taken care of. Check your... Inbox. Did you check your inbox? No, because I'm talking to you and all these people out here. I figured it could wait. Uh, but I'm saying, check your inbox later. Because, see, yeah, I, I, I sent you something. 
And I don't think oh, you saw it. I don't think I did either. No, okay. you couldn't have. You couldn't have. Okay. I'm checking my name. I'm checking. <sighs> well, you should probably talk to the people while I'm looking. Hey, people. How are y'all? We're being grown. So just bear well, with us. Enjoy. I know y'all want to see, but. The show is grown a second. Yes. Yes. Most oh, definitely. Go back, like one of our fans said that they disconnected. They got disconnected. So are we still on? Huh? I said one of our yeah, fans we are. said that we were disconnected. Okay. One of our fans are disconnected. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Um, it says that we're still it says that we're still on. Um, inbox am I checking? And the time is still on there. So we'll find out. Yeah, because someone said they were just connected about 15 minutes ago. Oh, Lord. I don't know what's wrong with this thing. Good people. I hope y'all are, are still with the let me get off of here. But you still didn't see you didn't see it. No, I'm looking. What which one which social media are we on that that you left this message? In your inbox on um Facebook. Oh, okay. Hold on. Facebook. Yeah, not that one. But the one okay. on Facebook. I got you. Cause see, it came like the other night when I I sent you a message and I was just like, "Hey, you okay? You know? Oh yeah, I did Hadn't seen you online. Yeah, I answered that one. Yeah, but I look, but before that message, I sent you something. I'm looking. I'm looking. I don't see anything, sis. I must not have gotten it. You didn't get it? I don't think so. Hold on. You still looking. Oh, my God. Is this That's a hard one? No wonder you didn't see it. Are these the top 10 messages? Huh. What? Is, is this the messages that you wrote? Mm. No, I can't do it. No, not not that. Oh, you talking about when I I sent you those um, screenshots? Yeah, because I don't see anything else. Oh, okay. Well, you must not have gotten it then. Okay, yeah, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you in a minute. Yeah, I have uh, screenshots, uh, and then I sent you the. Yeah, there's a few things in here, but I don't think it's anything that I haven't seen before. Uh, it's not what I'm talking about then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Today's so Friday, right? Oh, okay, yeah. It is Friday, yes. It is. Like, seriously, my days are like, anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know. I'm 
starving like Marvin. Like, I'm hungry. Um, I'm going to go I have wreck some things. Yeah, you should go cook some things for yourself. I'm going to go wreck some things. Um, I had a gummy today. <laughs> oh, you did. I think I'm going to go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. I just got kind of Friday. <laughs> I had a, um, I found, like, these, these gummies that I had gotten sometime, like, last year, and I had misplaced the jar. And oh. I was like, I know, what? so I opened the jar, and those, I had, like, four in there, so I took one. And damn it, I had the munchies all damn day. <laughs> I have a candy bar that I could probably eat instead. I forgot about that. <laughs> Ooh. Yep. My best okay. I got some key lime pie in my refrigerator that is calling all my name. <laughs> well, I have a candy bar that my bestie got me. Thank you, bestie. Shout out to my bestie. He's yeah. out of town right now. Thank you, bestie. Yeah, so I'm going to go in here and, and down this key lime pie. All right, y'all. So I love y'all like cook food, but I'm going to go. I want you all to have a great weekend and uh, be safe. And we are going to um, see you sometime next week. And um, after that, we're going to go on vacation. Woohoo! Yep. So, and you may be able to find me in the ATL. <laughs> good night, everybody. Drop that little bit in there, huh? <laughs> well, I may be. I may be. I'm working on it. I am working on it. Yeah, ATL will never be the same. But, yep, I'm working no, on it. No, it won't. No, it will not. Let us get All in right, the streets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, once All you right, get through, with your, with your ass. <laughs> well. Well, I said nothing about that. I said nothing about that. Good night, ladies. Good night. <laughs> you ain't right. You ain't right. You just ain't right. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Please.